Welcome to Suggested Donation. In this episode, we talk with Carl Dobsky about a variety of subjects, including heavy metal and heavy metal t-shirts. Thanks, as always, to the good people at Trekkle for putting up with our antics. T-R-E-K-E-L-L. Trekkle will deliver your art needs to you direct. T-R-E-K-E-L-L dot com. Your art needs delivered to you directly. For the first time, went and checked out a couple of. Um, There's this weekend. There was the Dallas Art Fair, so I went out, and I haven't been to a museum or gallery show in three years or whatever, oh, two and a half right? years, and it was packed. People were super excited to just go check out art and everything. So I'm imagining in L. You're in L.A. right now. Like L.A. must be. I, I mean, I see photos because of Instagram and a lot of the galleries we know opening seemed all of them seem to be super packed with people. Yeah. Like people are definitely ready to go out. Um, I mean, we had that show that was at the beginning of March and we had a great turnout. Um, and then even, even going to things like, I remember I, I went and saw that, that Holbein exhibit at the Getty. I think uh-huh. it's now at the, I think it's, it's at, at the, the Morgan. Morgan. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 So that was the first show that I really got to go see and I was just like, oh my God. Start out with a bang. <laughs> <That's> so good. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. drawings in that are incredible. Like fantastic. The what he can express with like a squiggly line. I mean, just the precision of that line is like that's inspiring. You know, it's yeah. pretty crazy when you see those old Holbein drawings and paintings. You're like, oh, that looks awesome. And then it dawns on you when you were like, if you're reading the text and you look at the date and you're like, Holy cow, those are really old. <laughs> really old. They're really, really old. Like before yeah. everything, you know, it's, you look at that and even though there's this modern sensibility in them and modern uh, approach, they kind of look like, you know, they kind of look very lifelike as sure. you look at the dates and you're like, Oh man, this is like pre, pre everything, you know? Yeah. It's like the time of Erasmus or something. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, uh, since we have you on, I mean, we're, we're just kind of, we just hit record. Uh, uh, go ahead, Ted. Let's start it. <laughs> Welcome to suggested right. donation. <laughs> Welcome, Carl. <laughs> We're here with Carl Dobsky. I'm Edward Minoff. I'm Tony Cernai. And everybody's as, off today. As I said, yeah. that Jay Braun just Jay popped Braun, on Braun, as Braun, we were Braun. introing. What's up, Jay? Uh, I see Jay. him. Hey, guys. Is that like uh, a an island from like Narnia behind you? It's a D and D map I made. Really that's good. that's Carl's future lair, right? When you get rich enough, <laughs> you'll buy that. Yeah, I'm like I'm going for like level twelve wizard status. <laughs> I mean, you you got the look down. The yeah, beard right. is. I mean, you've got a Gandalf beard. 
Definitely. <laughs> and I can't tell you how jealous I am of those long locks of yours. Like long, that metal, flowing metal locks. With, metal yeah. locks. I mean, yeah. dude, I'd pay large amounts of money to be able to grow my hair that metal again. <laughs> oh, so it's still great at shows, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's just true. <laughs> but we have no. Carl Dobsky joining us, which I'm really excited about. Carl, you know, we've known Carl for for. We've known you for a minute now. We've Since before you years. had a beard. Yeah, I didn't have a beard when I met you. It's true. <laughs> and I actually had had long hair, but before I moved to New York, I had shaved it all off. So when I met you guys, I looked Quitter. more... More, no, I wouldn't say respectable, but at least normal. <laughs> <laughs> presentable. We'll just go with presentable. Yeah, more, more presentable. Moderately, moderately presentable. Yeah, moderately. Well, we, we knew you because you were at the, um, the Water, Water, Street. Water Street back mm -hmm. in the days in, in, Bro in the Brooklyn days. Yeah, back in the, on, on the Water Street, Front Street, right over there in Dumbo. Yeah. What Was that your first, uh, like, uh, art studying or, or were you, you were, I think you had, you had studied somewhere else before you came to water street. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had, um, I didn't go to after high school, I didn't really go right to the college route. I just sort of did my own thing and whatever, but I would still take classes at community college and stuff like that. So I had taken like classes at whatever community college and whatever place that I lived. And then I had decided to go, um, to art school, you know, and by then I had encountered enough university programs where I knew that if I went into a fine art department, I wouldn't really get a lot of, you know, fundamental drawing, um, kind of training. And so I decided to go, uh, to school for illustration. So I went to, to school at the Ringling School of Art and Design in Sarasota, Florida, yeah. and got a degree there in illustration. And not because I wanted to be an illustrator or anything like that, <laughs> just because I, I, uh, I wanted to, um, just draw and paint really. But then by the end, but you got, you got to know that back then, even not that long ago, that was the only place in town, you know, to, to, to learn how to draw and paint was you go to an illustration program at said school. I mean, yeah. it was the only place they were teaching like skills based kind of drawing and painting was yours yeah. was your desire to paint or draw like that was it coming out of like metal or like Dungeons uh, well, and Dragons I mean, anything like that <laughs> well yeah it was like you know heavy metal. I was in I mean of course I was I was into you know metal and all that and so album covers were a really big yeah, of that, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, so I loved you know it didn't wouldn't matter if it was like Ozzy's Bark at the Moon or if it was like <laughs> or whatever right like I just loved that stuff and and, and every Iron Maiden, I, every Iron Maiden cover oh, to me was just like, I can't say it. Yeah, yeah. And like, and, and since we got the Dungeons and Dragons Island back there, you know, like all that stuff was super cool. I loved all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And so I kind of came at it from that angle where I was like, really liked to draw. And I, I honestly, I didn't grow up in a um, super artistic family. My grandmother painted a little bit, but like, you know, we, I wasn't around art really. So it's more that kind of like, pop kind of stuff from, from, uh, from music and stuff like that. Yeah, but for sure. when I was in community college, one of these community college classes I took, it was actually in Mesa, Arizona, Mesa community college with a guy named Jim Garrison, who actually had a pretty decent, a pretty good, um, figure drawing thing going on. Right. Where I actually got some instruction, uh, like some good instruction early on and, um, real gestural type stuff. But he also, every, 
all the time when he would bring art history books to class, right? And I don't know if you guys remember sitting through art history lectures in those giant amphitheaters. <laughs> yeah, but yeah like, like the big know, Jansen was, book. Ugh. Yeah, my God, man. It's like yeah, they gas them to put you to sleep. I mean, the art is so good, and they managed to make it, like, boring. Yeah, <laughs> and I had that class right after lunch, So it was, and they turned the lights <laughs> off, and I was just like, totally. <laughs> so I actually learned a lot about art history from, from my figure drawing teacher at this community college, and... And you know how you are when you're that young, you kind of are like, Oh, whatever, man. Like, what? And then I remember one day he brought um, a book of Caravaggio uh, paintings and like Velasquez. And I was just like, what is this? Like, <laughs> cool. You know? And so I think that's kind of the thing that set me down the path of like, wow, maybe this fine art thing is kind of all right. You know, like, Maybe that does sound like something I want to do. So that's kind of where, the, the that's so interesting that. because uh for like it, it seems like it, you know if, if caravaggio was the thing that really ignited the spark in you and then you've kind of you went to water street and you know you were i mean i you, we were both showing at john pence and you were painting kind of classical kind of figurative paintings not quite as much narrative, but you've like gone full circle. You've gone back because you are like one of the few people who is painting contemporary multi-figure narrative paintings. I think they're interesting in another way that uh, I think classically narrative paintings fit into two categories, either like religious, uh, which would maybe depending on your beliefs fit into, it would be categorized as either um, historical or mythological uh, but those are the two categories, history and, and mythology. But yours are something else, I think. You're you're sort of that, looking. That's probably because I'm a godless heathen. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wouldn't so, rule out history, but it, they're more yeah. of like a, a, you know, a dystopia, I think. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm actually reading a... Um, uh, a history of utopias right now, which is sort of, and one person's utopia is definitely another person's dystopia. In a way, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, and, and uh, interestingly enough, and Thomas More um, wrote, he's the one who coined the phrase utopia. Yeah. Um, and he wrote a book called Utopia. And he's sort of at that same time that Holbein is at. So I don't yeah. know, was there a drawing of him in the Holbein show? I don't remember, but it's like the same time, right? He did a great, Holbein did a great portrait of him, but I, yeah. I don't think it was in the show. I don't think so. Yeah, but I know he did one. Um, but um and interestingly enough, Holbein was one of those artists that for me, when even when I was showing at John Pence, like, I, I don't know if you remember, I had these kind of portraits that um, there were various people on one side. And then if you turned it around, yes. it looked like a yeah. plus on the other. Okay, yeah. so I got that idea actually from, Hol from a Holbein uh, painting or a Hans Memling painting where it was, and there's, if you, there's a book on Holbein where if you read it, it explains like portraits at that time where portraits had been done for mostly like popes and kings and whatever. Right. And so portraiture was kind of a new thing for sort of a merchant class society to start to do. And people found something really kind of vain or arrogant about it in a way. And so they would paint these little vanitas symbols of death and stuff on the other side to be like, remember, you're going to die. You can't <laughs> yeah. Death, yeah. Yeah. Just in right? case so your head gets a little too swollen, you just exactly. flip it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're exactly. all just skulls underneath. Yeah. And so that's actually where um, I started doing those. And that's actually the things that started getting me thinking more about, um, 
narrative and et cetera. And I know that's not like a really big narrative right there, but that's kind of where my thinking started to actually come back into play where I was like, I don't want to just paint a portrait and I don't want to just paint a still life. Like how could I do something that had some kind of comment or, or, you know what I mean? Some kind of idea. So that actually that's where, that's where that came from. Actually it was from Holbein. Interestingly. (laughs) Do you you feel like uh, what you just said um, in the beginning, um, I think all of us in the beginning were a little bit more narrow, you know, narrow visioned to be like, well, just do this thing. Because I think now that I look in hindsight, a lot of it was just like, I just needed an excuse to, to paint and get my skills up. Like I didn't, I I was a little too afraid to go down the rabbit hole of, saying something especially waiting for my skills to get up (laughs) (laughs) but when you're a kid you kind of think you're saying something all the time right all the time yeah sure sure that that, yeah but i i definitely know and we would you know we joke about them but we call them like apple paintings or tomato paintings and it doesn't mean literally an apple or tomato (laughs) paintings but a lot of times it was literally an apple or tomato painting (laughs) we'll say like an apple or tomato paintings and i don't think there's anything wrong with those at all but i know even for myself I was just like, I just need to do like, again, quote, quote, an apple painting because I needed to work on something yeah. because I needed to, in so many ways, develop my, my language, just like study and my, from my skill set. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel I, like I, in I, the beginning you were doing that? And all of a sudden there's this moment where you're like, okay, I think I got these skills and now I, maybe I need to be myself a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, it definitely happened for me that way. I mean, I did the illustration thing and that got the skills up to a certain level, but not what I wanted. So I came to New York, right. And I was going to the New York Academy of art and, and I was, and I had taken some classes at the art students league, and, but I, I wanted something more and just through word of mouth. Cause you know, there was no internet. You couldn't find water street <laughs> on the internet or something. You couldn't even get anybody to answer the phone. If you, called, you know, so I, uh, I somehow, I think, I don't know if it was through John DeMartin or somebody somewhere gave uh, me and Doug Flint the address to Water Street. <laughs> and we just showed up one day to go see it. I, and With I the secret up, knock. They gave you the secret knock. No, the door was actually just wide open. We just walked in. In fact, nobody even would talk to us at first. And I, I think Antonio was the first guy who actually finally said something. We're just sort of wandering around. And just like, like can, I, can I help you? Are you yeah, asked? exactly. Like, what are you guys doing here? And we're like, uh, I was, I, I, I didn't even know what to say. I was so utterly impressed by what I saw. Like I was so impressed by what I saw that when um, I had taken the A train up on high street. So I had to, I walked back over to get on the A train to go back to Manhattan. And um, I was so like, just dumbfounded with what I saw. Like I literally was in my head and I just stepped onto the first train that pulled up to the platform. And I actually didn't notice till I was almost to JFK where I was like, Oh shit, I'm going the wrong way. <laughs> like, I mean, I was like that. Like, crazy blown away by wait it. i have a, qu- a question because uh, you you said that'd at be a this great point, scene in the biopic yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> but at this point you were you were going to the uh the new york academy yeah i was so in, in your mind in your memory how was it different like why why were you why were you kind of blown away what was the difference well it just the, 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 the level of the skill was just so insane i mean like 
how many times at that point in my life had I walked into a studio where like literally everything was awesome? Like, I mean, the drawings, the people were working on, I'd never seen anything like that. The, the figure room, like the paintings and drawings in the figure. I just never seen anything like that. And it's like in this crazy, weird warehouse space with like, yeah. you know, barbed wire up. <laughs> <laughs> like, stuff like I mean, it was just, you know, I had never seen anything like it. And, um, that was and the was romantic expecting. ideal of a studio. Yeah, right. <laughs> Especially in the wintertime when you're freezing to death. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. But um anyway, so I, I was just blown away by this like this skill level and and uh and I just re- realized that that was I just needed that. So it kind of what you said, Tony, I was just like, man, like I just need a minute to like, you know, eat some humble pie. And if I if it takes the, if it means that I have to sit here and draw this cast or paint an apple well then that's what i'm gonna do like you know what i mean i was just sort of set everything aside because you know it was like my god i want to know how to do this and finally here's somebody who's willing to you know like bite the bullet and like like take care of the problem and if that requires just kind of putting things on hold for a while then that's what i did you know i remember back at John Pence, <clears throat> when I saw, cause we, you know, I've, I've known your work and I've admired, admired your work for so long, but I remember there was a moment where I was like, did you check out what Carl's doing? <laughs> you know, like, like I remember like saying that to somebody like he's, uh, he's like, you know, he's, he's, he's doing something a little different now. Yeah. I had a bit of a, I guess a midlife, not a really a midlife crisis, but I had like a, you know, one of those moments where I was just like, you know, maybe it was like my hair started turning gray or something. I, don't know. I had a moment where I was like, Oh my God, I'm not getting any younger. What am I doing here? And like, what am I doing? Like, and I just started to think of, um, you know, the whole thing, like, why did I even start doing all of this? Like what, what even set me down this path? I mean, at that point I was, you know, exhibiting and showing in various galleries and, and I was trying to do my thing. Um, I was teaching and then I was like, yeah, but is this, where I had exactly wanted to be. And in some ways it was, you know what I mean? I mean, showing in galleries and living that kind of life and teaching is awesome. I, I love it. You know what I mean? So I, on that sense, I was like, this is total on that sense. That's good. But I was like, is this, these are the kind of pictures I, I set out to make. And, and I had to be honest with myself. And it was like, you know, the answer was just, no, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it was like, I, I, I had never set out to be a still life painter. I had, I had never been on my agenda, yeah. you know, and it was sort of a byproduct of, all of these things. And so I kind of said, well, maybe before it's too late, you know, you've got to start uh, diving into what makes you tick and what you're actually interested in for yourself and remembering why you even, um, you know, decided to take on those sacrifices to make that, that training happen in the first place. And, and, and about the same time, like that's about like, you know, kids come in the mix and that changes everything too. And you have almost no time. You used to have all the time in the world. You could paint all day, drink all night, you could do whatever you wanted to. Right. And, and then it was like, also my amount of time got severely limited to like what I was able to do, you know, and of course, you know, having the family is the best possible thing, but at the same time, you know how that can, that's constraining that can be on the the workflow that you're used to having. And so I was like, I gotta, I gotta devote my time more. I gotta be better about like how I use that time that I have. Yeah. And I decided to start making more uh, narrative type stuff. And so what were the paintings that came out of that first kind of that, that reckoning? Of Fools, that ship of fools was like the first big one that like, yeah. It was kind of the one where I went, 
I don't really care. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> How was, like, walk I, us I, through I, the genesis of that painting. Yeah, Cause I, I love that painting. That's, that's it's amazing. Painting, but so. I also remember seeing it and thinking like, what is going, like, where did this come from? Like Carl just suddenly did something like, it's just, it's, it's like, it's radical. Oh, well, I mean, it, it came, I mean, I, I read, a lot, I like to read. I, I read, I'm just something I've always read and I read all kinds of stuff. And, and the ship of fools is just, um, I mean, as a theme, it's, you know, it's in the history of art, Hieronymus mm-hmm. Bosch, like, I mean, whatever, like various, various takes on the idea. And, um, and I thought it would be cool to do something like that because I kind of look around, this is all like, I mean, my God, the world has gone even crazier since then. But even then I was, yeah. sort of like, you know, <laughs> it's not going to get like, much crazier than this. And like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was thinking it can't get the much world was like, hold my beer. And you're like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like, Oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll tackle that theme. Um, and I, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to, I, I didn't want to do a, like a classical version. I still wanted it to have some kind of like naturalist kind of a thing, whatever. Um, and so I just decided like, that would be my, that would be my theme. And, and I, I, like I said, I've had a background in illustration. So I did like little thumbnail sketches out of my head, trying to compose what it would be like. I, um, I did color studies, you know, I'm just like, and they're, they're horrible to look at. They're squiggly, horrible sketches, but that was kind of my way of trying to get into it. And then I had to, I realized there was no way to do all that. I didn't have the funds to hire models to paint like for that many people and stuff like that. And so <laughs> I had to kind of bite the bullet and be like, well, I guess this is the end of my painting from life then on this one. Like, I'm just going to have to get references and, and do it. But you also cast all your friends as I like, did. so I that did. they were free models for whatever they're posing for. Yeah. You. <laughs> that was one of the craziest, like, I mean, actually one of the things I learned from doing that was like, I'm not ever having six people in a room together again. <laughs> trying to organize them to do something. It was like the ship of fools come to life. Oh my God, man. I, I was so, a friend of mine, a friend of mine had worked, a friend of mine worked for a photographer and they did a lot of like commercial photography, like for North face or whatever product lines. And so he had asked his boss if we could use the the studio space where it had all the camera and lighting equipment. And I was oh like, oh, yeah, That's so it was super awesome. Right. And so we're in this place. It's not even my place. And I look over at these guys and I'm like, you know, and they're like, they're of course they're drinking beer and I'm like, and they're smoking weed. And I was like, Oh God. And then, and then of course they start egging each other on and like, it just turned into this like chaotic thing where I was like, Oh no, this is going to go. Di- like, this is not ever going to happen. This Guys, going it's not going to be nude. It's not going to be nude. Just put the clothes <laughs> yeah, back on. Yeah. But, but Carl, um, you knew, but I mean, like I could, I could have told you like, this is, this yeah. is the way it's going to go down. You know, yeah, that. but it's <laughs> like, it's legit. It's ship. It's like from it the was. core, it's a ship of fools. It was, I, but I'm a little, I have to say, I'm a little naive that way, man. Sometimes I'm like, Oh no, things will be fine. You just you know, like, we'll go over there and do it. Like, I mean, they know that I've only got tonight to do this, and we've got to, I've got to have decent stuff to work with. I'm sure they'll work with it. Oh my god! <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Were these guys artists themselves or no? It, what's that? Were they uh, artists yes, themselves? they 
they all of them were artists. So they yeah. knew what, right. what the stakes were and they were still fucking around. If they oh, didn't yeah. know, they should have known. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love all of them. They're all super, they're actually some of the most creative people I've been around and they were like, I mean, a crazy awesome. wild bunch of people. So, I mean, yeah, I should have known better, but it actually got to be cool because it was my first time working with that many people trying to get it focused into a narrative. And one of the things I realized it is I had to learn how to direct people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, I need to, cause I was trying to explain to this guy, okay, here's what's happening in this painting. And he's like, I don't get it. Like, he's like <laughs> obviously like, no, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, ah, oh. and I, and so I realized I had, what I had to address was the motivation of the character and not necessarily the narrative arc of the story. Yeah. I'm like, no, come on, you got to do this. And like, and so there was, um, I mean, you I almost have to tell, <laughs> tell them backstory. This is What's why that? your care to say, you almost have to create a backstory. Exactly. Exactly. You know, like yeah. the your people parents I know divorced who- when you were 11, it was hard <laughs> on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, then there was some madness that went on in there. And, and so eventually what I did is I actually got what I needed out of the whole, we were there. I mean, all night long. But I, I'm just surprised you were able to get it. I mean, madness is like, that's the painting and it comes through in the painting. It's like kind of this like joyful kind of insane kind of vibe in the painting and it comes through and it it seems like that was part of the shoot, like that you caught them to be crazy. Yeah. Uh, Almost. Yeah. It added to it for sure. Yeah. Uh, the, The hard part was to get it to focus in to like get the poses that I needed to work as a design and stuff. Yeah. But like that was the hard part. But in terms of their exuberance and like, (laughs) I mean, that was just off the chart. I I have a couple of questions. And so hopefully if somebody's listening to this right now, uh, Google Ship of Fools by Carl Dobsky, so you can sort of play it, you know, play along with us. But, you know, the first time I saw it, I was, I was like, okay, I get, I think Carl was probably being influenced by the wrath of Medusa. Cause oh, it has that, like, yeah. I mean, it's one of the greatest paintings maybe ever, ever made. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's up there. Um, so I'm sitting there, I'm like, whoa. And then I saw the size and I was like, whoa, he's not messing around. You know, like you were going for, like large size too. But, you know, when I'm looking at it, it, it's like you were like what Ted was mentioning about it being sort of this exuberant, but also it's chaotic. And you chose to also do it at night. So yeah. now all these things, I'm like sitting there and as an artist, you know, somebody who's like, you know, breaking down how the process went to do this. I'm like, okay, it's night. I'm looking at your costuming. Like you, you got, you have them in like costumes that fits the idea. So like <laughs> yeah. you were having, you had to think about that. Sure. One of the things, the first thing I, I, I sort of noticed theme wise is <clears throat> the figure in the front who's with the bucket who's like uh-huh. trying to pull the i'm, I'm assuming the water out of the yeah, boat yeah. in back mm-hmm. in he's like i think that him and one other person have have life jackets on yeah and i was wondering is like is that on purpose that he was yes. like i'm trying to put some yes. sort of sanity into this i'm yeah. trying to get the water out of the boat so there's just so many layers. I look at this and every part of this has like layers of different interpretations. So it's like to do that on a, on a big painting like this with so many characters, like how do you go about figuring out not only all the, um, all the little, the, the, the onions, you know, onion skin of meaning in there, but like with the reference, okay, I'm going to have this at night. I'm going to, then you have to shoot them as if they're at night, I'm assuming, or like, how does that work technically? 
like you said, you were in a, in a photo studio, but like, it looks, it has that chiaroscuro lighting. Did you have to do that at the studio? Have it like yeah. dim? Yeah. Yeah. That was that actually the lighting at the studio was, it, it was easy. And I, and I already, and because I had done so many, um, like little thumbnail sketches and color sketches and stuff. I kind of yeah. already knew what it was supposed to be. So you did that like. prior to any, yes. anything. Yeah. So, so, so it was designed prior to even going and getting models. Do you know what I mean? So like when like I had storyboard, there, you like storyboarded it. Essentially. Out, yeah. yeah. And, and so the, the, the stuff in the, the, the studio with the studio lighting, that was, that wasn't that hard. It was actually harder to control the chaos and of people, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> doing yeah. insane stuff. That was, that was the hard part in the studio was not really to get the lighting and everything. It was to like get the characters to do things that could be useful instead of just acting insane, like trying to, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the doing the references. A lot of times people think that what's going on is like you shoot like 2000 photos and then find like the pose. The perfect one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But that's not what happened at all. It's like, I, it's actually like the head will be from one thing and the arm yeah. from another. And then, and that's why I would do the drawings to right. try to figure out how to get the pose to express the right thing. So it's, it's not even like, there's not even like one photo per pose. It's like multiple images that are being reconstructed into a single pose. And then so like the hand from this one, exactly. but then yeah. the elbow from this exactly. one. And then the, the, the yeah. facial expression in this one has got to use this the one. Facial like expressions in that painting are phenomenal. And yeah. it, like your ability to capture that. And I remember seeing you, cause you, I, I think you were like posting a lot of the studies mm -hmm. uh, yeah. along the way. And the, the, I just remember seeing the, the drawings, the, I think it was on gray paper. Was yeah, that right? Like, graphite. Oh, yeah with white chalk and they're yeah. just beautiful drawings, like Thank really you. beautifully done. Yeah. And then do you actually transfer? So then you, you put these kind of composite drawings down and then transfer like the different characters yep. onto this larger yep. canvas. Yep, exactly. I composite it together and then transfer the drawings. In fact, that's the drawings are not only to help me work out the pose. Um, one of the reasons why I kept them so kind of, there's like a little bit of modeling in it, but they're just basically yeah. linear. It's just because you know how like if you try to transfer those drawings that are all rendered out, sometimes it's like yeah, that's impossible. Yeah. Where it was the shadow shape? Yeah, I made it yeah, round. So now I, I can't find. The I shadow kept them a little more linear. I, I'm not doing that so much anymore, but like I was doing it then just to make it easier to transfer everything. You know, um, is this so the process the for now? Like that you continue to use. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, the process honestly is something in a lot of ways that kind of came out of the training from water street and stuff like right. that. Um, and believe it or not, like, so like, for instance, uh, so things like this, I had to, that boat that they're in, right. Mm -hmm. Like I got like a scale model boat off of eBay or something yeah. and <laughs> set it up and lit it and drew it. And I, <laughs> and I got that cause it occurred to me, like you would see like, like Jacob or whoever painting, the clothes off of the mannequins. Yeah. And I yeah. Like, oh, right. Why don't you just get or something a wig else? for the hair? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, and I was like, Oh, why don't I just get something in here to like, for that kind of a thing. And, and, um, I had even for, for the, the background wasn't that hard to do, but like I had gone down there to go like, huh, I need to get the waves on the beach at nighttime <laughs> with the city. And I'm like, Oh, I'll just go down there and take a photograph of it. It's so dark down yeah, there. You can't paint at the beach usable. at night. You cannot see, even with Anything. a full moon, you can't That's like, all you see are these yeah. little glints off of the surface. I mean, sometimes you get your eyes to adjust, but like yeah. you barely see anything. 
Yeah. So I, so I was like, great. Now what do I do? And I was like, well, it looks like I have to sit here and stare at this scene for a while and try to remember what it would look like. And so the background background is kind of from memory and the waves and stuff in the front. Um, I just made up, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and, and not that there, I mean, Ted, I should have talked to you about that. You should have that <laughs> but the, so the crazy part about that, the wave thing. So this thing is like, nine feet across okay and i remember like in this in the thumbnail sketches i hadn't really worked out what the waves would be like exactly <laughs> and i was like oh how hard can it be yeah. like it can't be that hard <laughs> and it and i would go through it and i would do it and i and i hated it and then i would change my, and it would literally to repaint that entire section would take four days because it's like nine <laughs> feet across you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. <laughs> kind of get it and i did that like i don't know how many times to the point where that was the that was the part where it taught me to do to sketch out every single part yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Like, don't be arrogant like even the simple things that you think are simple are gonna knock you flat and when they're yeah when they're that big, it's a brutal mistake. It's <laughs> brutal. You know, I, I so. remember when I was working on a couple of large paintings and I would draw from life, like about side size. I meaning, meaning about the size I saw it knowing that I'm going to blow it up. But I started realizing that if I blew it up a certain percentage, I had to redraw the whole thing. Cause something that was off by like a centimeter is now off by like an inch and a half. Yeah. And it like <laughs> in a bunch of those in different places, is significant. So I would like sketch things out pretty loosely and then blow that up and then redraw everything and then try to fine tune. Cause if oh, I, if you're going to go to a hard. nine foot canvas, you know, that every time you blew it up, there would be, you know, those little mistakes would be, would be bigger mistakes. So Whoa. I had to, I would have to do that and do it a few times to get it all correct. But uh, I can't imagine like, yeah, when you're going 90 feet across, man, that's, that's a lot of space. And then balancing however many figures and their, you know, various clothes and life jackets, and then the butterflies or moths or whatever they are. Yeah. <laughs> God, that sucked too. <laughs> I, it was, uh, I mean, one of the big things that ultimately that I learned from that was I didn't know how long that thing was going to take. You know what I mean? Like I mm -hmm. had, and I think if somebody had told me who knew had told me how long it was going to take before I started it, I might not, Tackle something <laughs> so big. Glad somebody didn't tell you because yeah, you yeah. might not be doing these big yeah. narrative paintings. Then. So it kind of it was kind of a weird thing. Like when I finally got to the end of it, I was like, "Wow!" I, I felt like, "Oh my god!" I could tackle. <laughs> I mean, I didn't feel like I was like the world is mine or something. But I, was like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh wow!" I could, you know, if I just apply myself, like, and work through it, like, it's possible to do it. And. Um, it's kind that of amazing be. what you can do when you force yourself, whether you n did it by on purpose or not to be uncomfortable yeah. with making art and having a vision that um, in, in a way, having that ignorance is really nice. Just be like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I'll just figure it out. And, and it's hard and uncomfortable, but then you're like, I, I wouldn't have done it if I, if I thought too much about it. Yeah. I also had to work through the, the all of my friends or who other people going like so what are you working on and i'm like <laughs> oh, oh i'm still doing that yeah. like and they're like you're still working on oh that my god, like, that's the worst for like a long long time you know and they're like oh my god he's not doing anything but <laughs> like carl you, know, you have no idea how many people are like you still painting waves you still painting the waves <laughs> hey how's your painting oh. how's, your, how's your little paintings going Fuck <laughs> off yeah. <laughs> yeah. but with that because you know um 
that that definitely has what we were talking about earlier that feeling that I feel like that was coming from in like you, like who you are as a person. And not only technically that I think you were learning so much on that one, like we all do with, with every hopefully good breakthrough painting. And it seems like that was a huge breakthrough painting for you, but it also seems like the narrative of what you were going to paint is starting to change now too. I can see tidbits of it in in your earlier work for sure. But I can almost see is that's the point where you're like, all of a sudden you're all these paintings you started doing were in this vein of, Hey, this is coming from um, something I might want to say or something I want to express. Um, so then you, st I start, if you look at more of your paintings, they're more, you're kind of going down that road now. Sure. So, absolutely. So Got then you. at this point, are you like, all right, this is what I want to talk about now. So were you just looking at things in the news or just like things that bugged you or just things that you find beautiful or, or like, reading what, what, and finding. Yeah. Things. What was like your, like your, all of a sudden your um, inspiration for some of your subject matter and your narratives. Um, I, well, what I do is I, guys, I mean, I, I, I read a lot. I also am a, you know, constantly reading the news. I do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's unhealthy, but I do it. Um, I just want to know what's going on. And, and, um, so basically what I do is I just keep, a like a list on like my notes on my phone, essentially. Mm -hmm, I just, yeah. and, and any, and I write down anything and everything that, um, so either, that either just like sort of pops in my head, like as a, some weird thought or, or something that I found compelling, whether it was from something I read or whether it was in the news or, or, or just what, or if I just come across something like while I'm out walking around, like whatever. Like a definition. I have like, I'll like find a definition on a post-it note of something. And I'm like, why did I write that down? It was supposed to like jog a memory of an idea I had. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I even have some of them. There's like, like, um, so anyway, I keep this running list and sometimes it's really, useful. And sometimes it's actually kind of what, what you just said to me, where it's like, I read it and I'm like, I just hastily wrote it down and I'm not even yeah. sure what it was. A right. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like there's a, a painting that was just in this recent show, the, the one of the, it's like, it's called grave diggers. It's the two old guys. Oh yeah. 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 Like that one looking at each other was, really angrily. Yeah, exactly. That, uh, that, that one was, um, I literally had one word written in the list and it just said, grave diggers. That's like all it said. <laughs> and I was like, why did I write that? Like, what was it in reference to? And I, I think it was in reference to something from like Nietzsche or something like that. Uh -huh, like, uh -huh. I, I, I can't, I, I don't, but the reference is not very clear. And like, <laughs> I don't, I didn't really know. I couldn't remember why I had written it down, but it was there. And somehow when I came across the, the name, I just, this image, like, came to mind all of a sudden and i was like oh that would you know let's let's work digging on digging their own graves yeah they're digging their own graves from the like inside weird, out like this weird race to the bottom almost you know, like, you, know you get a prize here's here's your prize you're dead but, yeah, but what's what you know i remember and actually i just pulled it up really quickly but Again, it's kind of done at night, which is, is great. Compositionally, it's that that's the other thing that we're, you know, like your your composition is to do these big paintings and have a multi-figure composition is so incredibly important. Yeah. Like uh, everything can no matter how beautifully you can paint it, if the composition stinks, it's like it's not gonna work. So composition's a such an important thing. But I, I'm looking at it now and 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 narrative not only is the narrative strong, but then I'm looking at the like the cactus the cact 
the cactus at the bottom. And I'm like, Oh, like that's, there's a purpose for the, the cactus there. I'm, I'm assuming, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so I'm looking at the composition What's but the also, purpose for the cactus. Well, the cactus was just, I wanted, I just wanted it to set it in a place where it was, everything was like, like spiky and is inhospitable. I didn't want <laughs> yeah, anything yeah. to be like friendly in any, in <laughs> any way, like not even the environment that they were in, you know, like um, hell. Yeah. Kind of like a Dante kind of a thing. <laughs> like the, the original like thumbnails for like, what I do is I, I, I will, I will draw, I don't just work on like one version of it in thumbnails. I draw out like five, 10, 15, like a bunch of them. Right. And in some of the, in some of the thumbnails for that one, I had had like this, like old, like you could see the wheel from like this old station wagon where they had driven out to the desert and like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that eventually got cut out of the scene, but that would have been, I had to try to imagine them going to this place and then doing <laughs> this thing. And, um, and I, I knew I had wanted the shovels to kind of look like some kind of like competition like thing. And I had these things almost had based off, like they were like rowing a boat, like they kind of, <laughs> yeah. like oars, like they were rowing or something, but the, with the camera angle, the camera angle was more like kind of looking more straight at them. And it just looked, you know, really kind of odd and so I eventually raised the camera angle to the one you see now where you're looking more down, looking into down it. on them. Yeah. yeah. So you can, so it made more sense. Um, the other cool thing about doing those little thumbnail sketches like that is if you do them fairly, like I've, I've over the time, over time, I've started making better and better ones. The reason being is because you can actually take them and you can show them to people and you can uh -huh. go like, what do you think of this? Or is, and then people would be like, Oh, that's kind of confusing. I don't understand what's going on. And then you can adapt from there. So I use, I use other artists or, or friends or, um, you know, uh, my partner Esther or whoever as sort of like springboards for like, you know, is this working? You know, so, right. so um, anyway, that one, the cactus and all that was in there, but there had also been the station wagon. But when I panned, when I panned the, the, the viewing angle up to do more of a three point perspective, you couldn't really see <laughs> all that stuff anymore. And I was like, yeah. ah, who cares? Lose it anyway. It's not important. Yeah. You talk about it like film. Is that a big yeah. influence? Um, I do. I do like movies. Um, but I'm not like a movie junkie or anything like that. Uh -huh. uh, I really think it comes more from, I talk about film more just because it's like, that's just how it gets talked about. It's right. sort of the book. like if you were to work as a concept artist doing something that they Which you've done a bunch of, right? Yeah. So the art director would talk about it as the camera angle, even though right. there's no camera or panning. Exactly. So they just use this, the phrases. And so it's more a matter of that, but. I mean, interestingly enough, it's like even painters like Caravaggio have been, have influenced, have had influence on filmmakers. Oh, big time. Yeah. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, I think maybe there's a connection there and it has to do with like, I mean, the, the kind of way you stage the action and the way you set up a scene so that it becomes like sort of like the, the action and the drama sort of unfolds in front of you instead of it being like this static symbol where you have to know that the this flower means whatever the fuck the flower is supposed to mean or whatever <laughs> or cactus you know I mean? yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly right like um it's, it's more about the action that the people are doing and and the lighting and that kind of a thing caravaggio nobody set up like established like draw a sense of drama like he did and i mean at 
that he seems like the prototype for that. And I feel oh, like yeah. the, a lot of the nighttime lighting in your, in your paintings feels influenced by, by Caravaggio. And yeah. then the weirdness also like Caravaggio is, I think, incredibly weird. Uh, you know, it, it, a lot of his paintings are just weird. Yeah. They're and, definitely, I mean, for the time period, they're radically different than like, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but it's amazing. Um, like I remember watching apocalypse now, and oh, that brand, the Brando movie. scenes, you know, when he's in, <laughs> yeah. in this like cavey thing. And, uh, I mean, it just, they're just, they're Caravaggio paintings. Like it's that, you know, when he's like rubbing his head and everything and he's having that like incredible discussion. Um, I mean, one of the most dramatic scenes, like you pull that up and, and you look, it just remind it, it's, it's Renaissance painting, yeah. you know, that like these Baroque. incredible moments. I'm sorry, Baroque paintings. You're right. That's such a good movie too. Like that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, Actually, yeah. That, the, the cinematographer, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but the cinematographer Apocalypse Now literally cites Caravaggio as one of the reasons yeah. why he went into cinematography. <laughs> I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. But. Yeah. I know him and, and, you know, the other big one I think was with um, Gladiator. Oh uh, yeah. When, when Ridley Scott did Gra Gladiator, he was, um, he was looking at 19th century. He's looking at uh, Jerome paintings, apparently. Sure. Yeah. 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 And he's looking at a lot of those and apparently he had no interest in doing it. The story, um, he had no interest in doing that movie. And then somebody brought him some of those paintings to look at. And he said, okay, I'll do it. They're like, this is what we want to make. We want to make this painting. And he's like, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I could see that. Carl, yeah. I feel like a sense of humor also comes through in like all, it's kind of a dark sense of humor that comes through in all of your paintings. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could be more serious, but I'm just not. <laughs> Funny. I mean, like you, you, you've always come across to me just, you know, in knowing you as like a, a, a pretty optimistic person in terms of like, maybe not in terms of like where you see the world going, but in a, like, Oh, I can do this. Like, I'll just, you know, like the ship of fools, like, Oh, I'll just, I'll make it work. I'll figure it out. It'll, it'll work out fine. It'll be great. Yeah. I'm just sort of naive on that. <laughs> respect. You wouldn't yeah, say I'm you're like, optimistic. I'll just, I'll just move to New York city. I don't know how I'll survive. I'll just move to New York city. <laughs> well, then you moved to San Francisco. You started your own atelier, yeah. right. Yeah. With, a, with a few other people, safe yeah. house. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Um, and that was a big influence on a lot of people. Oh yeah. That was great, man. That was such a great time. And you were splitting the time there between concept art and figurative art. Is that correct? Yeah, I was work. I was working with uh, Massive Black, was the name of the company. Um, yeah, a lot of lot of amazing people there um, at the time. And and anyway, they they had they actually had the the people. I don't. I I wasn't even the one who came up with the idea. Like one of them, I don't even know who exactly, but like somebody in there came up with the idea like, Oh, we'd like to have a kind of a, a school or something where we could train other concept artists or whatever. And, and, um, and at first I was like, yeah, I, want, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> and I was like, not really into it. And, and they were like, well, why not? And I was like, because I don't want anybody like, I, you know, you work all day. It's like, and I don't want anybody to tell me what to do when it comes <laughs> time to like, you're here. Say, and they were like, well, what if you were the one who was in control of like setting the curriculum and everything? And, and, and I was like, and I get a studio space <laughs> and, they, and they were like, yeah. And I said, okay, let's do it. <laughs> so, you know, and, uh, and it worked out great, you know? 
while it lasted. Yeah, there's a lot of people I remember who were in and out of there. Like they would pass through it. There's sure. a point where like a lot of, this was up in San Francisco. Yeah. So, Francisco. yeah. So there's a lot of people. I just remember at one point they were like, Oh yeah. Massive black. And you know, all this safe house, safe yeah. house and everything there's, you know, so I was meeting people who were like, Oh yeah, I studied with Carl or I did that. Sure. So they're like, you were getting it out. Like you were getting all this information out there. I think to, again, at that point where we had the water street, we had these like small little pockets of, places with information, but I think right place, right time too. I think we were kind of influencing a bunch of people at that point. Yeah. And it was, there was, I think there was like one other person in the Bay area doing, doing something like that at the time. So there wasn't even like a lot of people in the, in the Bay doing it. And um, definitely nothing where what we were doing was a lot of these people wanted to be concept artists or something, which was kind of crazy to everybody on some level, because people from our generation didn't go to school to be concept artists. Like you yeah, do in your yeah. sketchbook and you can right. make stuff up out of your head. And that's why <laughs> you wound up doing it. You know what I mean? Um, but we, did you have to change your way of teaching or anything? No, to I didn't actually. Fit that was, idea where you're like, this is what I teach. You should learn this and then go figure it out on your own. So what, what we did was uh, we had, the, we had different times a day and different different things set up. And so there was, there were, there was definitely days where what they were working on was like, you know, designing stories, characters or whatever, real imaginative stuff that you would do um, for like either movies or, or video games or something. And, um, but what I was doing, and that's all of course out of the, out of your head or whatever kind of reference you can uh, work from, but you know, and you is that mostly copy. digital? Yeah. Most of it was digital. And I didn't really uh, do much with, that exactly. I have other, other people, other people did that. Um, but, uh, my, what I did was I took the aspect from the water street training where you're talking about, like, you know, you should get their drawing chops up with the kind of block in type stuff. But the whole thing that really went, w- went really well was the whole idea of like, imagine like, like the whole way of thinking about turning form in your head and imagining mm-hmm. what the surface must be like in relation to the light direction and, and really pushing that home and making them do cast drawing and stuff like that. And be like, and of course, none of them really were hot to do that, but like <laughs> it, it translates so well when you're trying to make something up out of your head. Oh, yeah. right. you Absolutely. Like, Cause it's already conceptual in a way. Do you know what I mean? So we, I really pushed that. And I think that's, honestly, the thing that really helped out for them technically was to be able to like ground it in traditional, uh, traditional form really. But, you know, they were applying it to whatever else they were doing. So it's so funny that it's, it's like, it's, it's so logical. Like when you talk about just how, how light affects form, it's like, it's so straightforward, but, uh, before, before I was doing that, like before I studied with Jacob, I, I was sort of just like, I, I didn't really have an idea of like how, like I was just sort of copying like what other paintings, what the light looked like, or, you know, if I was making stuff up for, out of my head, like the shadows weren't exactly coherent or like didn't work with each other. It was, it, it, it took like somebody hammering that into my head and it, even like to, to be that consistent about it. I mean, I remember Michael Grimaldi, like, if one part of one, you know, form was turning just a little bit off, he'd be like, well, that light source is doing something totally different on the arm than on the head. Like, what are you right. talking about? Like, that doesn't make right. sense. 
Yeah, I was the same way, man. Like, I mean, it was it was like a revelation to me. I, I think I was doing the same thing that kind of what you're saying, Ted. Like, I was just kind of like kind of copying stuff or like, yeah. like I had no clear idea of like, you know, this plane faces this way. And this one faces like in the light source. Of sky. I hit that my, I, it sounds it almost at this point, you know, it sounds comical, like comically simple to even right. say it. Right. <laughs> but, like, but it's actually a big deal to like, at, to spend the time. I mean, even just like modeling a sphere and making it really feel round and solid, like that's a hard thing to do. It's, it sounds easy, but it's actually not. And that's a big step towards like really understanding and uh, knowing how to like construct something coherent that feels yeah. solid. And, and I can't imagine, but it, it must be so liberating for somebody doing concept art out of their head to, to really get a firm grasp on that. Yeah. I think, it, I mean, I think, I think it, anybody who wants to work representationally in whatever form, whether it's, whether it's, you know, to work from life and try to, to, um, kind of represent whatever your subject is or, or whether it's to work from imagination or, mm -hmm. or, or whatever, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure there's things that you've learned about waves, the way they get constructed in the sort of like, I don't know if I would call it the anatomy of the wave or something, but there's like certain, I would. Yeah. So there's like certain structures that like, once you're sort of clued into, yeah. it really helps kind of makes, make something, you know? Yeah. You, and then you it's, know, then it, it can become imaginative. Yeah. Uh, for me, at least that like, it's, it's mostly imaginative painting. Right. Did you take, did you take that down? Cause I know you, you eventually moved down to LA. So did you take the, you know, that down there as far as teaching, starting a school, or did you just, did you want to continue to teach? I, I did. And I, I, I mean, I still teach now, but, um, I, where do you teach I'm, now? I'm teaching, um, a class at the Laguna college of art and design right now. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Down in Laguna beach. Um, but I, I had done the safe house thing here in LA, but I was on my own. I wasn't with a team of other people anymore. And I mean, uh, Sean Barber helped out for a while and some other, some other people, but, um, just, I basically, so I had, a, I had a kid. And so mm -hmm. like, I just didn't have the time to devote to like all of the managing and, you know what I mean? Why? It's tough. <laughs> so I eventually just had to like, like can it because it was just too much to do and like not enough, you know, monetary reward out of it. And so I eventually just, you know, canned it because I just couldn't do it anymore. Like, yeah. yeah. And I was bummed. I was bummed when I had to do that. I was like, cause I really, I enjoyed it so, so much, you know, but you know, life is what it is. And the, the second part of that question is, how do you possibly do that when I'm, you know, I'm looking at taken by storm right now, which is one of your paintings that was, and, and forgive me, was, was that at the, um, cause I know you just had a closing right now that you did. Um, it was you and, and Sean Barber and Coro. Yeah. You guys all had a, sh a show in LA and yeah, it was a, what a cool Coro. idea too. What was it called? Nat natural, uh, habitat? natural habitat. Natural habitat. And it's three different, it's three amazing artists. Uh, I love Cora. I love Sean's work. Um, and it's just three different artists view on, on kind of, I don't know if it's social stuff or just kind of, well, it was, it was how just do you describe like, it? Just what, what, whatever that could mean by a natural habitat for somebody okay. like, for somebody like Coro, for him, like he's doing a lot of paintings of that are kind of around where he lives or his kids or whatever. So it's, it's like a scenes of the various natural landscapes around him. Yeah. That's a pretty obvious uh, take on natural 
habitat, even though I think for him, like he never seems, he always picks these sort of unique views. He's really good. Yeah. At that, you know? <laughs> so um, his, is a, his vision is a little bit uh, for this particular show is a little bit more straightforward as far as yeah. like I'm, I'm observing. Yeah, yeah of, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then, and then, um, uh, Sean, uh, Sean Barber's, his was more about like the sense of like another form of a natural habitat would be like community, the community you're in. And he's like, so his paintings are all centered around the tattoo community and various elements of that, whether it's people, places, things, whatever, that kind of a thing, you know? Mm. And, and for me, it's more a matter about like the story, like kind of like narrative stories that get shared through cultural, uh, whatever, like not necessarily memes, but you know, I mean, the stories and things that we tell each other and we share and stuff like that become like a big part of the world you live in your mental yeah. world in a way. And so that was kind you, of my, and like know. your, your observations and then your sort of interpretation narrative ideas of it. And, and then back to my original question with, with you teaching and I'm looking at taken by storm, I'm looking at birds of paradise and I'm like, these are all, large scale paintings, multi-figured narrative paintings, they take a long time. And I think the whole thing is, is like when you start dividing your time up between things you have to do every day as a father, as a, you know, a teacher and everything, and then creating these huge paintings, like how long did you work on these paintings for this show? Oh my God. <laughs> a couple of years at least. I yeah. mean, cause they can, they can take a long time. Some of them and like some of them go easier than others. So it's hard to predict, you know what I mean? Like some of them, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm really bad at figuring out I, I, cause I'll go like, Oh, I can just do that. And then all of a sudden it's way <laughs> harder than I thought, <laughs> you know? And once you're, once you've sunk like three months into something, there's really kind of no, 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 no turning back. Yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? So like you're kind of, a, you're kind of like anchored tied to this thing where you're like, shit, I gotta, I gotta, ride the you, gotta you gotta see yeah, it through. Exactly, ride the tiger. <laughs> That's <laughs> Will and Colleen's show recently. Yeah, there was... right? <laughs> I, re I remember when I was doing a big painting, I was like, I'll just use bigger brushes. It's no big deal. I'll just do the same thing with bigger brushes, but you end up doing what you do and what you know. And all of a sudden I'm taking out these small brushes working on a 10 foot canvas. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I didn't expect this hard. <laughs> I thought yeah. I was just going to use big brushes and do big washy stuff. And I was like, no, I do what I know. We were yeah. all painting together in Normandy years ago. Yeah. And uh, I remember doing a, a small sketch and thinking, Oh, this is pretty good. I'm going to blow this thing up. I'm going to do a big painting from it. And these like, kind of fun brushy trees trying to paint them you know 10 times larger than they were was like I, I didn't have any information i was like well what the hell does this tree look like i have like a <laughs> brush stroke that like i would need like a one foot brush i'd need like a giant <laughs> window washer squeegee to put it on and then it would just look stupid like i, I just realized i need all this other information <laughs> yeah that's so like the blowing up process is is so like you you just don't know what you don't have until you've got it on that big scale. Yeah, and like to to go back to the wave the waves thing in that ship of fools painting, like like I really thought like in my thumbnail sketches they were just like oh it looks fine, how hard <laughs> could it be? And then like oh shit now it's gigantic and I have to explain <laughs> right. all of a sudden all the know? scribbly lines don't work on this. Yeah, scale. they don't work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about this. We were talking about this once and Ted was 
describing a sky or something and you're like on a little sketch and you're like, and when I blow it up, it just looks like a slab of bacon. I think you described <laughs> yes. it as, and yeah. I was like, what? And you like <sighs> Munzel notation about the I thing did. And worked. weirdly like the sky, I painted it and I was looking at it up close and it looked like I had just painted a slice of bacon on the sky, <laughs> but I stepped back and it, the light worked beautifully. Like it was this incredible sunrise, but it looked like bacon up close. That's funny. <laughs> like like hoagies from far away (laughs) only when you're hungry (laughs) (laughs) so so uh carl i just want to go back to this um this one painting uh i think it's just in a such a good example uh, the the painting taken by storm again it's really like it's there's so much going on in it it's beautifully painted beautifully composed man when i'm I'm looking at it right now and i'm like that's a you really have to be really thoughtful with every part of that painting visually. Except Everything for the from, for the, all the trash on the ground, which <laughs> I, you're I just adding later on. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know if it'd be the same painting without it. You no. know, like as a as a as a viewer, as a, a fan of art, I'm like. I don't know. I just, without all that trash underground and where it is and how it's placed, it would be a different, possibly a different looking painting to me. But anyway, it's like, like, take us through that. I know you mentioned about doing all the drawings and, and how you composed with, with ship of fools, but like, then what, okay. You got a, a, you got a good drawing on your canvas. Like, do you, do you fix the drawing? Do you ink it? Like, how do you go about it now? Cause again, like there's so many people are going to look at this and be like, how does, how, how does one make this painting? Um, you know? Well, the, the, I mean, the first thing was just to, you know, you got to have an idea for what you're going to do first. Yeah, of course. And, um, and I had been reading, I, I really like uh, political philosophy. I really, I love, I mean, I love that kind of stuff. And there's the whole like classic state of nature, type uh theories you get the, the classic three you always hear about are like hobbes Locke, and rousseau and john Locke mm-hmm. is of course like forefather like american yeah influenced the american f- uh, founders so much but but thomas hobbes is the one that like you read it and it's like reading like metal lyrics it's like, you know, <laughs> like it was just, i was like wow this is crazy <laughs> and the basic idea is to imagine like what would man be like before government had happened. Right. And so what I thought would be interesting was like, I was like, well, what happens if people fall into a state where there is no government authority anymore, where like, there's nothing that can kind of keep the lid on, on everything. Return to the state of nature. I kind of imagined like, what if there had been a hurricane or some kind of big storm and like, they'd been without power for however long, like what, what happened? happened. Yeah. It happened. And yeah, yeah, it got about like a little while after that, you know, January 6th hadn't even happened. At that yeah. point. So yeah. It was really weird to see the whole, anyway. Um, so I, that's kind of where I, I thought I would make a picture about that. And I had tried various compositions and I'd gone through all this stuff. And then I eventually, I had gone to Rome um, with the Rome, uh, the Rome workshops that uh, David Simon organizes out there. Um, and being in Rome, I had, I had, I had seen some of these battle sarcophagi, like these Roman sarcophagus that have these like crazy battle scenes with like the Romans beating the shit out of the barbarians and stuff <laughs> like that. Right. And I was like, what? and 
since it's, it's like a bow relief on a sarcophagus, it's so yeah. dense. Like, you know what I mean? And there's so, these so dense that I was like, Oh, that would be cool. If it was like, instead of showing this like deep space or whatever, like how could I make this dense, right? In, like, like interwoven uh, figure group. And so that's kind of where I finally settled in on that composition. And then of course, you get the models. And by that point I had learned, unlike doing the ship of fools where I got everybody in at one time, I got people in one at a time. I got them in one at a time. So it was easier (laughs) to control the the thing. Um, and then from there you, I make the drawings and I, I composite it out, figure out any kind of perspective I need to figure out. Um, you know, trying to keep the perspective as, as constant as I can and all of that. And then I, I just make a, a tra- I, tr- I take the, I make a composite drawing and then I take it down to Kinko's and blow them up on those giant, on those giant, books. like, yeah, the oversized yeah. copiers. Those are and awesome. I think on that one, I, most of the time, if the painting's not too big, I just do like an oil transfer or something. Okay. But, um, I think on that one, I, I used charcoal because it was just so fucking big that yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? I was like, Oh, I'll just, so I, I did a charcoal transfer and then I went back over and traced the, redrew the lines with like, you know, like raw umber and turpentine or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just redrew it out that way. And, um, and then just, you know, what I, what I do after that is I kind of do like, not really like an abosh or something more like my, my version of an abosh is not really an abosh. It's like part of it's like really thin and washy. And then part of it is like thick paint slapped on. Whatever <laughs> I want to put. So it's like it's sort of like my loose interpretation of what that would be. But the intent is just to sort of get it set up and like to try to think about the form and the color and get it at least like, you know what I mean? Pretty far yeah. to the finish line in terms of how it would look so that when I go back over it again, I know that it's already keyed in really, really well. Cause especially when you've got that much stuff going on, you got to make sure that the key is consistent and that it, yeah. like, you don't wind up having to repaint giant sections of the painting. So yeah, the because you're probably, paint- you're- is the thicker yeah. paint to establish like more impasto, like yeah, to, yeah. so you're like thinner, kind of looser in the shadows, kind of more yeah. standard or, abotion. Or if, and, if I'm feeling weak and feeble and I don't know what's going on, I do it thinly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Right. If I'm feeling overconfident. I just pile paint on like it. Like the crossword <laughs> when you're like the pen, you're just r- really lightly putting the letters in so that you yeah, exactly. change them really <laughs> easily. It's an R, but it could be a B. It's an R, but it could be a B. <laughs> yeah, definitely like that. So I'm assuming you're probably doing a ton of color studies or composites, you know, to kind of figure out, um, the overall color concept of the whole thing. Yeah. The color, the color sketch is usually, there's usually two or three. Um, and by two or three, I mean, I don't just do one. It's like, I do one and it sucks. And so I just keep painting on top of it. And yeah, so on top it, of it, you yeah. know, it looks decent. Yeah. And once it looks good, then I save it. <laughs> and then yeah. I'll do another one and try to do a different color scheme and it sucks. And I just keep doing it until it looks, you know what I mean? <laughs> I actually, uh, yeah. So I do that. I, I honestly wish that I'd had uh, more training in terms of like the whole Munsell color. So like, just, just a little bit more grounding in color. I still am much, I'm still really like kind of hit, miss, pick, choose. Like I don't, I don't really have like a solid grounding in it. Sometimes I just kind of like randomly pick colors and see if they work. And I don't, but I don't feel ha- like I'm, I don't feel like I'm very 
I'm not as very, I'm not as clearly thoughtful about the color as I am with other aspects of the painting. And I wish I was, but like less methodical about the color, but how are you transferring the color from the color study to the big canvas? Cause like, that's where Munzel would come in for me is like when I do a, a huge painting, I'll study the study with Munzel chips, mix up big batches of color and then paint an entire first pass based on those Munzel mixtures and then paint on top and adjust, you know, in further passes. Um, I just try to mix colors that look about like the colors on the color in the study. And you just try and remember what you were using. And well, no, when I painted, I, when I, when I paint the paintings, I actually have like the drawings, like whatever thing I'm working on the drawing for that. And I, and I always have like the color sketch over there. So I, right. like I, because the color sketch not only functions as the color, but it obviously functions as the value range that that section's into, which right. I mean, that's really tough to manage. Right? Yeah. That, that part is like one of the hard, like for me, it's just as hard as the color because you've, you know, if you're like painting on this painting, this is giant thing. And you're like painting on this section, you can't even see the part that's like, yeah, right. all the way the, while your face the is corner. stuck. In. Yeah. Right. And so you, you spend like, you know, if you're like me and you start, you start like kind of like this whittling away Up at this. Close. Yeah. And then like an hour goes by and you step back and you go, Oh shit, it's too dark. Or it's <laughs> I've too made the dark. fingernail, yeah. like the lightest thing in the entire painting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And um, I've done that like enough, like it just sucks when you have to, when you're working on something large and you wind up having to repaint a large section of it. It hurts yeah. so bad. Yeah. That I've, uh, the brutality of that experience has made me much better <laughs> about really keeping track of my, my studies and making the studies really decent and like really trying like, um, nothing like a painful failure to, yeah. teach you to do it right. Like there was, there was a recent painting that was just in the show we did. It was the, the one of the, the argument between the, blind man and the lame man and the yeah, color sketch on that one i followed like almost to a t and like that color it helps so much like it was like the first time where <laughs> yeah. i went like whoa this is really paying off and you just think <laughs> about it you just think about it beforehand it can actually help all <laughs> those other paintings I yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean honestly i'm looking at the painting right now and and i know I, there is something about i think all your work is so phenomenal but there is something about the um the the harmony in that one that really works like the color is really dead on as far as an overall conceptual harmony of it it just feels like they're all in the same place together at least not that that i don't feel that any on the other ones but i do feel like there's just like it like the air in the background is the same air as in the foreground there's something really 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 uh really cool about that painting. I, I was actually, that's one of my favorites of the. Thank you. Um, I had, I, that was actually one of my favorites. I really yeah. enjoyed painting that painting. Like that was super fun to do. That was, I think I just started that right when the pandemic was. was what was the, the basic, I mean, I have my ideas of what it, it might be about, but what's the basic idea of the argument of the blind man and the lame man? Well, not, it's not so much the argument part, but the, the whole idea of the blind man and lame man. If you, if you like Google that, you'll find stuff. And, and uh, what you'll what you'll find is you'll find like a narrative story where the the story arc is basically like, hey, like I can't walk, but I can see, and you can see, but you know, and so if we help each other out, what a wonderful world it will be, right? That's kind yeah. of like mm-hmm. how the basic story arc goes, and um, almost all of them are like that, except for there's a there's a story I think it's called the the Cat in the Moon by Yeats, and it's a story about the blind man and the layman, but they're 
but they're having an, they're, they're not nice to each other. They're arguing and they're bickering. Right. Or there's another one where it's like the blind man and the layman have been, I think told by, uh, I don't know if it's God or somebody who symbolizes God to watch the garden and to make sure nobody steals the fruit. And, and they, they wind up going, Hey, but we'll steal it anyway. And like, you know, why shouldn't we have all of this? And then, and when God comes back and says like, you know, what, what the hell happened to all the fruit? They're like, no, he did it. No, he did it. They're like, so there's, so yeah, there's, there's, each there's other, versions. Yeah. yeah. There's versions where they're not exactly so nice to each other. And, <laughs> And I, I thought that that would be and those are the ones that resonate with you. Yeah, those are the ones that resonate with me, right? So, I, and I thought it would be amazing to show this, um, this, this uh, duet where they obviously aren't exactly happy with each other, and they're literally just stuck with each other, and they can't. You know what I mean? Like tied together. They, they have to, whether they like it or not. Whether they like it or not doesn't matter at all. It's like they're just stuck with each other, you know? And, and they choose to not like it. <laughs> But in a, in a way, the way I was interpreting it is also that they need each other. Yeah. They like, do. obviously, they need each other, yet they're bickering, arguing. And they, if they can just realize that they actually need each other, that it would make it would make the pain and all of this just kind of so much easier to deal with. And, and more or because they need each other, they can't take it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ted's one of those glass half empty guys. <laughs> I mean, I, that's the funny thing is Carl. I always, I, I think of you as a, as more of a glass half full, but like all of your paintings are really half empty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am more of a glass half empty. Kind of um, yeah. I, I would, I, I do like to try to, if I can make it so that there's some, you could see it either way, but um, I don't it, know. I, I mean, with your paintings, is there the light in the end of the tunnel in any paintings? I don't know. Is is there? That's what I do. I'm wondering. I look around and I'm not sure if there is. And so, like, I don't, I don't know what to. I don't know how to answer the question, so I don't paint it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you my interpretation of that. But you're is... getting to paint it. That's the light. <laughs> well, no, no. As a viewer, as a viewer, like sort of taking in the art. Um, because I'm able to see this, the obviousness of the, the problem, let's just say again with the blind man and the lame man, because I could see the obviousness of the problem, I see it as a positive thing in the sense that I'm like, well, I could see the answer. I could see the fix. So in a way, because you're presenting an, uh, uh, something out of uh, an observation of yours, I see it as all half full because i'm like oh this is what it is okay i could see if it's just like oh we're we're fucked type of thing i don't see it as that i see like oh here's the problem here's the fix too so i see i problem solve the fix on your paintings that's kind of one of the interesting things about um that i'm finding about um making sort of a narrative images where you don't necessarily try to make it look like you're not representing something as it really is. It's not like a document or a, yeah. it's like, it's clearly a fictional story. Right. Yeah. And by, by making a fictional story, you weirdly get to point in a roundabout way. You actually get a point at a problem without accusing anybody directly. Yeah. And because, because the minute you like point your finger at somebody and be like, you know what your problem is, it's is this defensive is then. Problem? Yeah. They'll never and see the fix because it becomes yeah. all defensive. Yeah. And they, and they tell you to fuck off and it just fuck turns off into and stuff like, yeah. Fight, you know? So it's like, if you bring it up in a, this sort of fic- uh, fictional way and like a roundabout way, it lets people kind of do that. They could go like, Oh, you, cause you're not, you don't feel personally attacked or you don't feel, you yeah. know what I mean? It's, 
you get to sort of, and in a weird way, you get to come to the answer yourself without having somebody, you know, whatever, try to beat you into submission or something like that. Um, Are you ever surprised by how people interpret your paintings? Like, have you heard like people looking at your paintings and seeing completely different things than you envisioned in them? Um, I mean, that, that happens for sure. Like, I mean, there's, I definitely get varying interpretations. Like it's never like, Oh, that's exactly what I was thinking. Oh, you were reading that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, um, I, I have, I've actually, I've done pretty well at getting messages to read fairly well. Right. Um, and I, so there is, there is obviously misinterpretation and and it depends on how obscure the image is. Like some of them, you know, or like, you know, what the hell is going on there exactly? Like, but that's something that I find fun about narrative painting is that like, you can do something and you can put it out there and it's open to anybody. I mean, uh, anybody can kind of manipulate the meaning to mean whatever feels meaningful to them, but it, you know, it, it, it can, uh, I don't know. I, I love seeing how like people interpret paintings very differently than I would. Well, I, I like it because I mean, nobody really controls how something is ultimately interpreted. That's not right. under your control. And, and I think that, sometimes they see things that are cooler than what you had originally envisioned. Uh, sometimes they don't, um, (laughs) but, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. I, the only reservation I really have about it is like, I, I would feel weird if I made something that was like a Rorschach, basically like a Rorschach inkblot test. that was just so random that it could just allow any, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like like, that's kind of, that's kind of strange to me. Like I, I feel that like on the one level you want, to have a message and you want to say something otherwise why were you thinking about this thing and but at, at, um, from a uh i mean one old idea about art is that not only should it have like the message but it should be entertaining it should somehow right, right. so there's a point when if you make it too like literal or you don't have enough mystery in it it sort of like becomes really well that's boring. the i way thing for you yeah, right it, beca- it becomes not not like uh it's not fun anymore. Or it's <laughs> not engaging. Yeah. Like it's not yeah. forcing you to work for it a little bit. Exactly. Somebody's not trying to in, like think about their own experiences and like, what could that mean? Like, right. What, what well, that that's mean? all the like classic mythological kind of narrative paintings were always like metaphors for something, you know, sure. current, but. Yeah. Like the, re- like when David paints, you know, the oath of the Horatii or the death of Socrates or something like those all have to do with like things going on. Right. The French revolution and all like, <laughs> the, the political climate of the time and all of that. Right. So, yeah. But there, I, I, I know it gets really difficult too um, for people who work, let's say in, in a, in a, um, in a style as like similar to what we do is that there's, there's so much on the canvas that is so thoughtfully, you know, painted, like rendered out or, or, um, you know, representationally painted that, uh, sometimes it can, I think it's always hard for us because we are doing so many things that are like specifically this thing that sometimes you, I was, I'm always afraid that they'll take it too, too literal. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Sure. So like that balance of 
painting the painting you want to make and, and painting it beautifully and render it out or whatever, you know, whatever you want to do to it, but also have that openness yeah. is really difficult. So the more you do these paintings, are you becoming a better storyteller? Oh, I think so. I mean, I, I definitely have, I'm getting kind of like a rhythm going on where like, what, what can you, what do you put in that can make an, like, a, what, what's the mix here to, to get like an interesting storyline out of it where it's got something in it, obviously, like what makes that tick? What makes a story tick exactly? Right. Yeah. And what, if you did it this way, how that becomes too obscure all of a sudden, or, you know what I mean? It's, I've, I've been definitely learning on how to focus on things. Um, and it weirdly enough centers around, I mean, you could say movies or theater or drama or, or whatever. Like it's, it's basically thinking about um, actions and trying to center something around a plot line and like what elements and realizing that the subject is not, the subject is not this person or that person or this thing or that thing. Yeah. The, the, the plot line is like, what are they doing all together? And like, what is the action reaction, the, the action and the consequence of the action. It's like, that is really the subject, that kind of plot line or that, that narrative arc that becomes the subject matter. And like what ingredients you have to go in there to show, to do that. You know what I mean? So, um, that's what I know. When I've, I know when I've come across people who do that really well, it's when it's obviously done at a, like in a masterful way, you're like, Oh my God. Like I know Norman Rockwell, you know, when I see oh a Norman God. Rockwell, like Genius. painting, I'm just uh, the ability to tell a story with one shot and it not only have history, the moment that you're seeing and then the fallout or whatever's going to happen afterwards. Like you see a huge timeline. Yeah. On when I look at a Norman Rockwell painting and it's not just a moment, I see like, like, like so some, much going on. Like that one where like the, the little kid is sitting at the counter with the, you know what I mean? At the diner counter and the police. The with the cop. And the yeah. cop. Yeah. yeah. And he has, and he has it. He's yeah. running away. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you, <laughs> yeah. you don't need anybody to tell you what's going on. In no, this <laughs> no. Like yeah. you, what happened before, like that <laughs> yeah. point, what's going to happen after I was just looking <laughs> yeah. at one. I just did a talk recently and I, I just randomly just picked a random Norman Rockwell. And it was the kids um, running uh, with their clothes. Like they were obviously like, the like hole? Yeah. in the swimming hole yeah. and you don't even see all the kids. You just see like parts of them, the but dog. you know exactly <laughs> oh, what's going so on. They're getting chased. There's like a little, and you know, like, you know, what was <laughs> happening. It's the summer, you know, it's like, they're out of school. They were like, they were, you know, jumping in a swimming hole. They're not supposed to be in. They're yeah, getting chased. That says no swimming. No or swimming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a little bit more obvious, but like yeah. you, it's like, you know, what was happening before, you know, what's happening then. And you know, it's going to happen later when they're all like, wasn't that awesome. And they got away with it. He's such a genius at that. Like, genius. I, mean, I know some people don't like it because it's all Americana. And they're, they're wrong. Those people they, are they, stupid they, and they're they, wrong. Did you guys see that retrospective? I think it was, I don't know if it was like in 2000. It at was the Guggenheim. It was right after September 11th because I think they staged that to be kind of an ironic show. And then after September 11th, everybody's yeah. waving American flags. And that it, show, like everybody descended on that show. It was like lines around the block to get in one of the best shows they've ever done, they've put on. That thing was amazing. It was a great show. Was a really yeah. good show. Um, anyway, but, but it's, it's that ability to, 
to craft the story with one picture without having, you know, in this case, I love movies. I love watching movies, but the art, you know, the art of telling the story with one image like that is that's no, no small feat. You know, it's a typical thing. Getting the the actions and the human interactions and the the action reaction and like knowing all of the little archetypal Americana things to put in there to like, (laughs) help drive the storyline like tony like the one you mentioned like the kids got the the little red bag tied around the stick you know what I yeah mean? Like, yeah that was so <laughs> old school yeah, exactly. yeah. like all of the weird little cliches to kind of help <laughs> i mean i actually can see why spielberg loves this spielberg is a collector of rockwell's work. huge I, collector yeah, yeah. So, yeah i can see why um but the other thing about i find really interesting about rockwell is something that um i don't do but i wish maybe i, I I look at him a lot. He's, he's so original in some of his compositions too. His compositions yeah. Yeah. are very, like very modern in a way. A lot of them. You know? Super. Yeah. 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 And, and I think, I know, I know you have a hard out because you're, you're, you have, uh, uh, some stuff coming up, but, um, I wanted to say that, uh, I think, what you're doing is, is awesome. I think it's, um, and unique and unique. And I think a lot of people, uh, I think you're going in the direction, you know, if we ever sort of complain about like the state of the art world, you know, I'll see examples of what brings me back to like, I'm really glad this is happening and I'm here right now at this time. And when I see like your paintings, I'm like, I feel like we're going in the right direction, you know, as far as not only us, like, through you Gathering. pointing out that we're all going in the wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> By me telling it, you the glass is half empty. Yeah. Half we're going empty. in the right direction. <laughs> we needed to see that. We needed to know. <laughs> but honestly, you you take but you taking the chances, you telling stories, you putting something out there to hopefully make people think a little bit about what we're doing and doing it with a skill and um that you know, that we take so seriously as the craft of making a beautiful painting and, and doing all that. Uh, so, so I love seeing it. Um, I'm really glad also, you were able to come, come on. Go ahead, Ted. Also like a compelling sense of humor. Like every one of your yeah. paintings is engaging. Cause it's, I mean, it's skillful, incredibly skillful. It's like you put a ton of work obviously into composition, but they're also, they're, they're just, there's all, they're always funny. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I actually, I've had to come to terms with that. <laughs> I, uh, mm-hmm. I really want to be more deep and emotional and serious. Like, like but they're not, not. Like for lack- yeah. But I feel like I'm more like this weird, like Frank Zappa. Kind of- <laughs> <laughs> well, like, the beard, maybe I can't not make the joke while I'm doing it. I just, <laughs> you can't resist. It's there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, that, I think they're more compelling for it, Carl. I, I definitely I think-, think like people yeah. don't, I, I, I try to be serious in my paintings, but uh, sometimes I wonder if that's a mistake because I'm seldom serious in real life. And so like, yeah, you've always got the jokes, man. <laughs> yeah. <here's laughs> funny, you um, but yeah, I, I just, I love that your sense of humor comes through in your paintings. I feel like they, they have like a really like singular, you have a really singular voice and it includes a sense of humor as well as a glass half full, glass half full. Uh, 
but uh, anyway, yeah, but uh, thanks for coming on. This is uh, yeah, so fun to get to talk to you. And I've been wanting to to hear more about about how these paintings develop because, uh, you know, watching you, they they just sort of like suddenly you you made, did this turn and you were doing something very unique and and very much your own. But I, I didn't quite understand where it was coming from. And uh, I'm glad to hear more about that. Not that it matters, but. Well, I mean, it, yeah, it matters, I guess. Anyway, um, <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me on. I mean, I haven't talked to you guys for a long time, so it's good to, yeah. to say hey. And um, Well, let's, let's like, after the mics go off, and, and for, like, I definitely want to stay in touch because I, I know that at one point you and I need to sit and talk about music. And maybe yeah. Jay Braun needs to come on because uh, <laughs> yeah. talk about old school metal. Little metal fest. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. yeah. Jay, you would produce that one since you don't since you don't have much input. I wasn't. <laughs> I, I love the art though. Like back in, I never listened to metal, but uh, still don't. But I always, I remember a friend of mine used to always wear metal t-shirts, and I was always fascinated with like the drawings and the, the imagery. Like, the yeah. artwork was so sick. It was so cool. Yeah. It's just badass. I love it. Yeah. I, love it. I mean, that's, like, that was a big part of growing up. It's like sitting around and looking at the album covers. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine any of your paintings now being album covers for? Uh, probably not. I don't think they're, they're probably not cool enough. <laughs> <laughs> the metal bands aren't cool enough. But if somebody ever good. I don't do want one, them to be cool enough. I definitely do one. I, you know, I would be into that. All right. Let's make that happen. Some, some band out there. <laughs> Anyway, Carl, I'm going to, I'm going to call you soon. I just want to, I also want to catch up on, you know, just, just thanks stuff. so much though, Carl, that, that was really amazing conversation and uh, so great to, to catch up with you and, and really your, your paintings are absolutely phenomenal. I'm so glad that you're making them because I feel like they're filling a void in, in the art world. That's uh, really important. Thanks guys. I appreciate that. All right, thanks. Carl. Thanks, Good luck Carl. with everything. We'll talk soon. All right, guys. Bye, Bye, guys. Bye. All right. Where's my bass, Jay Braun? I'm working on it. I worked on it last night.